And that's when this general guy says, it was the war and we discovered a life form. And then he says the key thing. He says, we'll help you, but don't be disappointed. He says, what you may find when you get to the end is a bunch of guys standing around in suits in the dark around an elephant. Where do you think this is ultimately leading? Like, what's the point of nature reality? Uh, to me, it's it's the nature of reality. It's understanding that the world is way more complex. It's way. I say it's it's going to be way less physical than you think. It's uh, going to be a thousand times more complex than you think, and it's probably going to be a spiritual end to this whole thing. It's going to be this idea that everything is an activity inside consciousness. What's actually going on? Like, where do we come from? Where are we going? People say, don't worry about that. We've got a business to do here. And that was always my thing is this whole idea of trying to figure out, like, what am I doing here? Why do I see this UFO? What is this UFO? What's really going on? I was sort of raised sort of uh, to be a minister. So I always had that thing in the back of my mind. And I had done stuff with near-death experience or not even near-death experience with dead people when I was at university. I did a, a whole term paper, which was almost a book, which was uh, looking at people in hospitals, all these weird things in hospitals. And this was when the first near-death experience book came out in 1975. So I was looking at uh, things like I was talking to the chaplains. I say, does anybody ever uh, get up and walk out of here? Like, do you think they're dead? And they get up and walk out. And the miracles? You ever get any miracles? And I go, yeah, I got a few of those. But they always come back. They go for a little while, but they come back. And I say, anybody ever have anybody come to greet them? Dead people coming to help them over? And I go, oh, yeah, we got that. And I say, anybody ever predict their death? You ever get anybody predict their death that they're going to die? And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they tell me this story about some guy that, you know, said, I'm going to die today. And they said, no, you're doing good today. No, I'm going to die. Get my wife. I'm going to die today. And the guy's, my wife, they get his wife an hour later, he's dead and stuff like this. So I, I was always interested in this sort of stuff. But that's what I think. I think the, the closest person to understanding this is Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra talks mm -hmm. about this idea that everything is an activity inside consciousness. And the, the prime example is this idea of the out-of-body experience, that when you have the out-of-body experience and you look back at yourself, you say, is consciousness in the brain? And you go, no, it ain't. <laughs> I'm here. The consciousness is here. My body's down there, which means the body is inside the consciousness. And then you go and look out the window and you see the stars and the planets and whatever, and you realize that's in your consciousness too, which is exactly what Wheeler said, John Wheeler, who was supposedly the intellectual a successor to Einstein at Princeton. He said, there's no out there. It's a participatory universe. And this idea that it's whatever you want to call it, a computer world or virtual reality. Matrix. It's all, it's all as John Wheeler says, I can be 100% go along with the idea that the entire universe is a figment of the imagination. And that goes to Chandler's. It goes Chandler, Seth, the first Chandler, Seth said, you manifest everything around you. There is no other rule. And that's where we're going to be going, but nobody wants to go there. Because that is like, I mean, can you imagine the government coming out and saying, well, no, we discovered that it's all in a, a figment of imagination. The economy would just collapse. It would just, anybody who knows it, they're, they're just going to use it to their benefit. So they've known right from the word go, like with uh, remote viewers, they've known the right brain, left brain thing with remote viewers that they, they pick up with the right brain. They pick up the size, the shape, the taste, the color, the smell, whatever. And that as Hal Putoff's wife discovered with the remote viewing is that when they went to name the subject, they always got it wrong. 
it's a oh it's a it's a swimming pool when it was a sewage treatment plant and they would always get it wrong and then they go they learned about the analytical overlay so i asked how put off when i discovered the right brain left brain thing this whole idea that one is in top with the universe and the other one is this sort of in the physical world then mm-hmm. i said did you discover this with remote viewing and he said read my book <laughs> chapter six and that's all he said read my book chapter six and i go to his mind reach book and here it is it's called in one brain and out the other so already in 1972 they knew this idea about the idea that people could buy locate that goes to the idea that the remote viewing you may not be going anywhere same as out-of-body experience will say, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're going in. So the remote viewing is the idea that everything is the aliens on board the ship. And they say, where do you want to go? It's within you. Go within yourself, Sean. It's within you. When you get there, when you can imagine it, push the button. And that's the thing is where's the remote viewers going? It's all within yourself. It's all there. So you go. So telepathy, you're not going into someone's mind. You're going into the field. All the stuff is in the field. 31% near-death experiences 40 percent of experiencers say they knew the answer to everything yours everything is within us it's this idea there may be just one point it's all within us and you what you do in the target is like when a person's going to the target say it's in russia or whatever they don't say hang on i'm flying to the target i'll be there in a minute it's like i'm at the target they're there instantly they go within mm-hmm. themselves and what is like joe mcmonagle what does joe mcmonagle say what's the key to he says got to clear your mind shut down the voice in your head so the signal is there it's the left brain that's just chattering away i know everything it's the twitter book club where nobody's read a book you know uh, i know i ask me about anything i can tell you about anything and in this world you can go there and the people who have the experience will say exactly what i did when i say to people i'd say to people who claim that they knew everything in the universe ufo people i'd say so how do you know that how do you know that for sure? How do you know there was number six, seven, eight on the five side of the universe they forgot to tell you about? And they say exactly what I would say about my experience in 2012 and the one I had in 2016. They say, I'm not sure. I just know. And it's that knowing. I know. I know that was the answer that came to me. Mm-hmm. And you see this over and over. I wrote a book called Inspired, where I look at inventions. And people will say, the two of them, the, the laser and the hologram, are both invented by guys sitting on park benches. They worked on the problem. They worked on the problem. They, could, they couldn't figure it out. And then they're sitting on the park bench and boom, it comes. And they go running back to the lab and write it down. And it comes to them. They know if this is the answer. Or Gary Nolan. I asked Gary Nolan. I said, Gary, give me the quote I can use. Gary Nolan says, because he works with these experiencers. And Gary Nolan's an experiencer. And he said, at one point, he said, I don't know how it works, but I know how to make it work. And he tells this experience where he works through the problem and he goes through all the questions and stuff, writes all this down. And then he writes down the question and puts it beside the bed. And he said, either the next morning or the next couple of days, the idea is in his head. So I said, Gary, give me the, give me a quote I can use to describe how this works. And this is the whole idea. This is this idea of intuition that all everything is in the field, that you can pop into the field. So that's what happens with these people with Tesla. Tesla's walking through a park in Budapest. And he's saying, all of a sudden, boom, the idea of the alternating motor comes into his head. And he draws it in, in the sand for the guy that's walking with him. It's in the field. And Tesla would say, I go in the field and I test it. And I don't bring it out until i've tested it in the field he goes in the field and all that material is there and if that's true that's the the reality that it's all this sort of ooly mind stuff and that we're believing this perceived reality that we're physical beings and that we're having this sort of experience and there's separation between you and me and then you have an ayahuasca experience like the magician sting and you suddenly go oh my god i realized everything was alive everything was conscious and everything was connected and i looked at the ground and there was a little plant coming out of the ground this little flower and i said oh that's my brother 
And that's the mystical literature. That's near-death experience. That's UFO people talk about. That's what psychedelic people talk about. The fact that everything's connected, everything's one, which isn't perceived reality. It's completely different than perceived reality. Your perceived reality is this me versus you. So you can get into weapons. You're the bad guy. I'm a Canadian. You got your Americans. You're all like full of it, man. You're just like all troublemakers <laughs> and stuff like that. And then you say, well, they, we're the bad guys. We're a national security threat. Or, and that's the thing. It's this separation. And so what they're doing with the disclosure thing now is you're doing more separation, weapons of mass destruction. We've got to create an enemy and let's get this enemy and let's bring out the stuff. Don't mention the fact that the nuclear weapon stuff is 50 years old, that, this, that we're talking about Maelstrom is 1967. That's a long time ago that that hasn't happened for mm-hmm. years and all this kind of stuff that we've got to build that thing. And then when you start to live in daylight, then you're going to get some money. As long as there's no money, they're going to say, don't let the door hit you on the way out, man. Just get out of here. We, we're not interested in this. Why would we be interested in that? And so that's, I think, what's happening is the left brain is this idea of fear and blame and making money. And that's the way the world works. That you, you got to pay your bills and we'll worry about the spiritual stuff later or whatever. And I've just done it for so long that it's led me there. And I actually can say that I've had the, the synchronicities that every book, there's a bizarre, wild story of a synchronicity that leads me to know what I'm going to do next and work on this, work on that. And it, to me, it's like living in the Super Bowl. But the bottom line is, it's nature reality. Nobody thinks about nature reality. They're worried about taking the kid to soccer practice and paying the bills and stuff like that. And the nature of reality is what they're trying to get us is because once you realize that, you realize everything's connected, then you're going to stop uh, doing all this kind of stuff. Or the nuclear weapons, the, the thing where you rip time space when you detonate nuclear weapons, that if everything's one, then when we hit the bell in 1945, detonating the atomic bomb, the bell rang and everybody in the universe all came because it's all connected. They Everybody knew. Mm-hmm. And you have this rip in time and space and they go, oh, there's a bunch of assholes here that's going... <laughs> tune them in here and try to move them around. And in the end, it doesn't really matter whether we destroy the world, we may destroy the world, it doesn't really matter. If, if it's a reincarnation world, which it probably is, it's like the old story. You're going to keep running that play to get it right. You're going to be on a different place. You come back someplace else. You don't necessarily have to come back here, uh, but you're just going to keep doing it. And that's it's all this thing of experience and, and learning and the world gets more smart and it's a, it's a closed loop where we're feeding material in and it gets smarter and smarter and more complex and more complex. And that's the way I see the world. And I've moved a long way away from UFOs, but I can sort of relate to people because I mean, if I hadn't had a UFO setting, I'd be just as stupid as everybody else. I, I would not. And that's the whole deal. It's because I had a UFO setting. That's what led me down this path. If I hadn't had the mm-hmm. consciousness experience in 2012, I wouldn't have been in a consciousness. <laughs> I, as I told Jerry Pippen, Jerry, I, I didn't go there. I kind of teleported there. I was like, there was no choice. It was like, boom, I was there. And I was like, I suddenly understood this. And that's where people are at whatever level they're at. And so if, if Chris Blesso is right, that we all come here and a lot of the experiencers say this, that we, they came in to do something, that if reincarnation is a fact, then you and I came into the world to do something, who knows what it is, and that when we leave, they're only going to ask you one question, according to Michael Newton's 7,000 people, and that's how did it work out? Sean, you, you planned it. And you can't say, you know, Hillary Clinton, the dog ate my homework, my mother-in-law, whatever, they're going to go, time out, time out, it's not about them, it's about you. How did it work out? You planned it, and everybody says the same thing, I could have done better. And so it's this whole idea, why did we come into the world? We're going to get asked how to work out and what are we supposed to be doing? And are we doing it? That's all we got to worry about. We can't, don't have to worry about anybody else. 
and so you you look at the events that happen to you and see how they relate and and uh, do what you can and there may be plans people talk all the time about these plans that you and i had a meeting before we were born and you said oh i'm going to do this podcast you can come on the podcast yeah i'll come on your podcast and i'm going to do this and, and it may be all this sort of stuff that's the way the world starts to look it starts to look like mm -hmm. these ideas these synchronicities how the synchronicities all work together that you think it's a synchronicity and actually it was a plan and it's like i forgot it and and that's what the, the whole idea that you when you get people in the field it's almost like they show you something and you go oh yeah i forgot i forgot about that and suddenly that's that knowing thing so it's not something that convinced you they showed you something that you already knew and you go oh yeah i forgot and that's oh i know i know because i've seen it before so that's basically where i'm at i'm moving away from the nuts and bolts where I was before. And people are getting very upset, especially with this apportation thing with the physical mediums. But when you get some guy who can apport 2,000 objects and you can stand there with a camera and you can run whatever controls you want, tie, tie, tie strap the guy in, put water in his mouth, make him spit the water out at the end and make sure it's at the same level in the glass and get him to eat a pizza and then get him to eat watermelon with big seeds in it just before he starts to throw these things up. And people talking about this little flying saucer comes in above this bowl and these things are falling into the bowl. And that just fascinates me when I go, oh, that's, the, and it's like they're showing off because they, they used to be, the, the physical mediums used to make a couple of things appear. Then my assistant Desta went and she got healed. She had an injury from the time she was a little kid. She got thrown out of a Jeep, was, was moving her boyfriend and she got, it landed on her backside and injured her back and her tailbone. She's never been on a day without pain. She went and his hands came and out of the cabinet and touched her and she was healed and stuff like that and then the there was 1800 reports and then i suddenly for another friend of mine gets healed i hear another one a couple of weeks later i'm going is this coincidence or am i supposed to follow this and then she gets healed and she tells me the whole story and i start interviewing the people in there and there's over 2000 and it's almost like the phenomena is showing off it's like okay we're going to 2000 and you start to see these things and they're coming out of the they're flying into people's hair and stuff like this these things and then they're falling into this bowl and they're coming out of the guy's mouth and some people can make them come out of their eyes and if you see you know a piece of dust in your eye and this guy's got these things and they're filming and he's coming out of his eyes that's just the theory of wow that's like watch this man the phenomena is just going watch this figure this one out and and it's always impossible and you go like that's ah, impossible there's no way the guy's got to be hoaxing it's got to be and and what it is is no they're showing these impossible things behind the scenes and get you curious and get you moving down because this thing is picking up speed and this and this guy's allowed to be us to interview him and my assistant desta is going to be trained and then there's no problem about the fraud because if desta's doing this she ain't faking it she's she's taking all these courses reading all these books and i said desta this whole idea that there's a portal and that's the whole thing behind where the UFOs coming. They're coming out of portals. And I wrote a book on portals from Mount Shasta. And I had the Ron Pendolfi thing, where Ron Pendolfi, this head guy from the CIA, says, people have always wondered what it's like to go into the, the, the next world. And I get this on tape, and he's furious. That camera's a thief. And it's like, well, you put it on your channel. I mean, why would I, how would I leave that off? You know, I grabbed it. People have wondered what it's like to go into the next world. The next time John, his buddy sitting beside him, goes to the desert and they've got this this rumor of the portal in the desert next time he goes to the desert a number of us here will go into the next world and come back again and that's not nuts and bolts that's this idea that the intelligence they uh, i would say that if the government has something they understand the time travel thing this whole idea about people jumping time travel stuff that may be true because it appears every time i go down that route there's some evidence every time i go down the nuts and bolts thing it always 
crashes and burns but every time i go down that portal thing and i did the thing with the portals in mount shasta and i interviewed the people who were in those portals and i said what do you see and they and what do you see and they were describing they're all describing the same thing and then we had the one in 2020 in shasta hundreds of beings nine witnesses i got three of them on camera nine witnesses levitated into the air it's almost like the phenomena saying hey write this one up and it's like and i just can't believe it and, and i actually went to the cia and i went to one of the guys connected to pendolfi and i said okay i got these nine people were levitated and they sounded like they're underwater which means they're inside a portal can you tell me what the cia knows about portals i think it's time you guys open up he said okay you you do a thing with these people hollywood i'll set it up you, we do a show you tell the story and i'll give you the story what the cia knows about portals and then of course the translator who knew pendolfi went to these people and said that's the cia grant's bringing the cia don't get it. <laughs> they all just scattered all the way. witnesses were gone but that's that you talk about that and that got no traction nine witnesses on mount shasta mm -hmm. on the sand flats levitated into the air and hundreds of beings coming and they were etheric beings they were the same thing they weren't physical beings they were etheric beings or you get the ones with the earlier portals 1450 military guy 24 years he was in the second portal 2015 he wasn't there in 2014 2015 he's translating for for paula harris because it's all latinos so everybody's speaking spanish so he's here's an interpreter and he wasn't supposed to be in the portal he wasn't supposed to be in the zender he was supposed to have seven people in there so he goes in there as the translator and the second one it was a, it was a hologram the same being as 2014 with the s smaller beings, but they're all 10 feet tall. And it was a hologram. You could see the trees through it. So I says to this guy, I said, hey, do you, do you saw the, you saw Antarell? He said, yeah, I saw Antarell. And I said, you saw him as a hologram? He said, no, it wasn't a hologram. I said, yeah, this, everybody said it was a hologram. Look, he said, I was close enough. I could see the lines in his face. It was not a hologram. He was as real as real could be. And he was like right up. And he, this guy had never seen anything. And then he goes home and the being follows him home. He's appearing in birthday parties. The, the, the cars, the, the wipers are going and the cars turned off and the windshield wipers, the car. And his wife says, your Martian friends are playing with the car again. He said, they're not Martians. Well, he said, they're playing with your car. And they were doing the same skinwalker. It was the same thing as skinwalker, the, the hitchhiker. He took this thing home. He awesome. never had a sighting. And this thing took him home, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the evil type stuff. And that's where George Knapp said, or, or Brandon Fugel said, it's reflective. Be careful what you think when you go to Skinwalker Ranch, because this mm -hmm. thing is reflective of what you, so if you have bad intentions, it's going to reflect what you're doing. And that's what happened here is he had this phenomena, this thing keep appearing. And he's the guy that set up the 2021. That was him that set it up. This other being came to him and said, we want to come, we're going to appear. And, but it was COVID and they, they were up on the mountain. And that's when these hundreds of beings appeared with these nine people. So you see this pattern, but it's, it's all angelic. So I always say, if you think there's rays and reptilians and evil aliens, go to the mission Rama. There's 25,000 of these people around the world and they open portals. They talk to aliens all the time. They have these program settings they did twice in front of me i wrote two books about them about my two weekends with these people I wrote two books it's just bizarre stuff that these people can do these leaders and if, if you look at that i say i defy you to find a, a gray or a reptilian or a mantis they're all they look like michael phelps they're all muscular they got long hair which always i always make the joke i said you know why do bad aliens have no hair and why do good aliens always have long hair and they're all beautiful and the women all fall in love with them and stuff like that and it's this uh, the thing is uh, john wheeler says it's a participatory universe you're part of what you're seeing and that's what kit green says kit green is the guy that if you're a general in the pentagon and you have a being in your room they send you to kit green that's his job he's been doing it for years he's the guy that that 
you say, is the guy crazy? Have the Russians got this guy? Are they brainwashing him? Or is he engaging? And it's Kit Green that went on the record and said, the being that you see is influenced by your belief system and that people in the same event can see two different beings. He's on the record as saying that. And that's this whole idea that this it's very fluid. These things can change. Or even if you, I don't know if you were around at the time, but Sparks was the first guy. Bud Hopkins was dealing with him. And so was John Mack. Jim Sparks. And Jim Sparks was the guy who came up with the screen imaging idea that these aliens are able to screen image. And he he tells the one story, he says that the being appears to him as a military guy. And he's going, ah, bullshit. You're screen imaging. You're not fooling me. You're just screen imaging. In fact, he said, you got the wrong uniform on. And he said, like that, uniform changed to the right uniform. Instantly. He said, you got the wrong uniform on. Uniform changed to the right uniform. And then you see that kind of stuff. Jim Semivan. Jim Semivan said, they're running the show. And Jim Semivan is the one that where I go, where you see more and more high-level officials talking about Jim Semivan says, they say, we just got to connect the dots. I'm not sure there's any dots to connect. Or he says, there does not appear to be any there, there. That does not appear to be sound like physical ETs and very simple. They're just in flying saucers and, and on a roundabout, took the wrong turn on a roundabout out there and couple of light years away and ended up on, on Earth. Or uh, I mentioned before the one with Tom DeLong. I, I watch these guys very carefully. So if somebody's in contact with a high-level official, I listen very carefully to what they're saying, what the high-level official says. So Tom DeLong is talking about he gets invited to Lockheed Skunk Works, which is not a coincidence. We want to interview the president of Lockheed Skunk Works, and you know he's into UFOs and stuff. Oh, I'd love to do that. And they suck him in, you know, reel him in. And then he's like, I want to talk to Robert Weiss, the, the director, and he ends up in a Lockheed skiff at Area 51. And then they send him to, to NASA, and then he ends up with this general at the airport was his meeting. And that's when this general guy says, it was the war, and we discovered a life form. And then he says the key thing. He says, we'll help you, but don't be disappointed. He says, what you may find when you get to the end is a bunch of guys standing around in suits in the dark around an elephant. And that is key. Is that the thing we figured they know what's going on? Yeah, they know some stuff. They know there's films. They got a lot of films. They got a lot of evidence. They may have bodies. They may have crafts. But in terms of figuring out what's going on, I think it's the same as reality. It's the more they look at it, the weirder it looks. And Eric Davis, who is probably one of the most outspoken guys, not so much anymore, but he's the guy that said they put it on the shelf in 1989 because they could not figure it out. Or the Wilson Leak document where it says, we got a craft and we think it'll fly. And as soon as I heard that, I said, oh, that story about the craft, the intact craft. And they can't turn it on because they haven't got a consciousness interface. So they've got this craft and they can't turn the damn thing on because mm -hmm. they don't understand how it works. It's way more complex. If it was an engine, we would have pulled the engine a long time ago and we would have figured this out. And if we got the technology, why did we do so bad against the Afghan guys? Why did we do so bad in Somalia? Why are we having so much trouble against these 1950, 1960 tanks in the Ukraine? I think a lot of it is bluster. We got this, we've, we got it under control. We won the Vietnam War, don't worry about it. And we got these new enemies and to build a defense budget up and it gets bigger and bigger and more enemies and and it's that spiral of who's got the money you were trying to get funding i remember john rayo used to run the ufo congress i was at his facility and he had bought all sorts of collections almost like bigelow and he said to me grant i got a question for you he said how the hell do you make any money at this stuff he's a multi-millionaire he said how do you make any money at this stuff i said i don't know i don't think anybody does and he quit he open minds magazine he got rid of it he got rid of the conference because he couldn't make any money at the thing and that's the whole deal is nobody makes any money at the thing so who's got the money congress has got the money the appropriations came all these guys 
you know, the weapons. So you go there and you get this story and you say, you know, it's a threat and, and we got to deal with it. And even John Alexander said they tried it in the 1980s as well. They'd use the threat argument because they realized that unless it's a threat, why would the defense department, the defense department's been saying every agency, it's not a threat to national security. NASA said that, the White House said that, the Blue Book said that, the Canadians said that back in the 50s. And it's like, you got to change that scenario that it is a threat to national security. And then it's like, how much money do you need? And, and then when you get that, then you up the thing and you bring in some more witnesses and you get some more money and, and you get that. And it's like the uh, final thing, and then you can ask a question. Uh, Eisenhower said this. He made the famous speech, the final speech. Now, when I was looking at the files at the Eisenhower Library, there was never anything because there's, there's no files at the, the presidential library. So I'm there and I'm going to finish the files in a couple of hours. And then I've got to find stuff to do. So I'm looking at all these oral histories. And so I figured, I'll look. They all have them indexed by subject and by people. So if you worked at the White House, you're the cook or whatever. So I say, Sean was like to work at the cook. Did the president ever come and steal food in the middle of the night? And they ask you all these bizarre questions about what it was it like to be the chef at the White House? And they call them oral histories. And there's thousands of these things from all different people who worked in the White House. So I looked up the threat thing that Eisenhower said, beware the military-industrial complex. And there's six people who commented. So they asked Eisenhower's brother, Milton Eisenhower, who was the president of Penn State University, what do you think of the speech? What do you think he meant by that? And they all basically said the same thing, is, is that there was actually a word taken out. People, unless you were out there and saw the speech, the drafts of the speech, you didn't realize they took a word. It wasn't beware of the military-industrial complex. It was beware of the military-industrial congressional complex. And that means that once you get the Congress, who's got the money into the loop, mm-hmm. everybody's got jobs in their district, and you can do whatever you want. You're never going to shut this thing down. It just goes around. Everybody's making money. Everybody's got their hand in the pot. And you're not going to do it. So there's the idea. And that's what they're doing. They're getting Congress into this thing because Congress has got the money. And everybody's going to get rich from this thing. I say they're not going to discover anything. They're just going to have more sightings. They're going to have people writing in and stuff like that. They're going to play the little shell game because I don't think they really have as many answers as people think they have. Yeah, they have bodies. They have crafts. They have hardware. Even the hardware. Like, and, you know, it's the whole idea. You got this piece. It's 84 levels and it's atomically structured. And it's like, oh, we're going to build a flying saucer from this. And the aliens are going to oh, like, come on. They, they really hooked on that one. Or the Gary Nolan piece where you got the Uba Tuba piece where he's got the two pieces from the same craft and the one the isotopes are messed with and the other ones the isotopes are normal and you can just see the aliens like what's this let's give them this one and they everybody's like oh what's going on here let's get some money let's get some funding and everybody's curious and that's how they move the ball down the field anything to leave the audience with like where's this going next I think consciousness rises. It's the old idea. Everything advances one funeral at a time. I think we're we're fairly close. Like you take a look at when I started the UFO thing, it was mm-hmm. toxic. I mean, I didn't really care, but for most people, it was toxic to talk about UFOs. I worked at the University of Manitoba. I could talk about UFO, University of Manitoba as long as I didn't associate the University of Manitoba's name with it, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And now it's okay to talk about UFOs. And all the rest of the subjects are going to come along, like near-death experiences. People may disagree. And what you see is these new ideas, orbs, apports, and stuff like that that'll come in that raise the consciousness. And we eventually are going to figure it out. It, we have multiple lives to do it. It's not a race. It's not give me everything yesterday. We are always in, in the deal. We've got to solve this thing. You're never going to solve it. It's always going to get more complex, but we're going to learn more. We're going to discover more. And mostly we're going to learn how reality actually works. Reality is a lot less physical than people think it is. And I guess Deepak Chopra sums it up. 
everything is an activity inside consciousness. If you understand that, you understand the, this idea that it may be the simulated universe, that it's all us creating it, and we are the gods, we are the creators, and it's this loop, and it's getting more complex, and the universe is getting bigger, and we're having all these experiences, and that's where it's going right now. Everybody's just tied into the stories because people want stories they want something to put on youtube or on facebook or on twitter and it gets its 15 seconds you know what it's like you're on twitter i mean you know you put something up and within an hour all your hits come and then it goes and by the next couple hours everybody's on to something new and because we have this very short attention span and people are sort of consumed with and they you know maybe it's right they're consumed with what they're doing because they have to but eventually we're going to learn that it's it's not the the world that we we thought it was, and that every time we make an assumption based upon what we see, it's always going to turn out to be wrong. Another hundred years, even the one now, the latest one was the the one with the size of the universe. It was the most proved thing ever. It was the Big Bang, and the universe is thirteen point right. seven billion years. Billion, and yeah, now it's like, yeah. oh, sorry, we got this new telescope, and these big huge galaxies are there at the beginning of the universe. So now we're estimating twenty eight, and it's like they always talk about channelers. Oh, these channelers, they didn't get it right. Look, they they missed this or whatever and it's like how much can you miss it you're out by 50 percent. i mean that's science it's supposed to be exact or the one with the galaxies and it was 100 billion galaxies and, that, and then suddenly in 2016 it went to 2 trillion like you're out by 20 times like come on and you say i said 100 billion galaxies i never said that do you marry me and it's like that's how science works it just sort of puts the bandies wilbur smith used to describe that the guy ran the Canadian government program he said the way science is working with ufos is the, uh, the people look at it and a crack forms and you put a band-aid on it and then another crack forms you put another band-aid on and that's what we're doing we're just sort of covering up our stupidity or our arrogance uh, that we understand how this sort of stuff works and we eventually move on and if you look at what we believed 200 years ago i mean it's like a, a total joke in, but everybody believed it then because that was their perceived reality and now we got the same ego thing where we got it all figured out don't tell me uh, i know how this thing works and eventually most of it's going to be wrong and we're being led by i'm not sure if it's et i think i always call it the intelligence i think it's all the same thing it may even be us I mean, maybe us giving ourselves lessons because you hear constantly people talking about the fact that that's my family. This is not my family. The the ones that abducted me, I, I'm related to them. They're my family. And it's this idea, we may be part. It is, John Wheeler says, participatory universe. We may be the ones that are behind this whole thing. And it's a big, big game. And we're teaching ourselves and we're going through lessons because if we came in if reincarnation is a fact we have lessons then a lot of this stuff is not coincidence like 37 percent of all people who've had ufo experiences have had near-earth experiences and most of them have had two and so the thing is if you consider these to be random events what's the chance that you were abducted and at the same time you had a near-earth experience at 37 percent rate that's not coincidence you start looking at these things like holy shoot even like the film the, the first film i got when i interviewed the guy that was filming it he had never shot a film before in his life because the TV crew, they'd gone out and they were paying overtime. And the news producer said, that's bullshit. No more. Nobody's doing our flying sausage. You guys want flying sausage? You can go on on your own time. So they had a volunteer crew of reporters and this guy who was a film editor who was running the big 1970 cameras. And they got the camera out there and he's running it. And he, he said the night before they'd almost got it, but they didn't get anything. He said, this thing is going, you can see it glowing up and going back down, glowing. It was on the ground, glowing back up. He said, the next time this thing glows up, I'm going to shoot. It was almost like the UFO said, 
you ready? Get ready. And he pushed the trigger and the thing jumped into the air. And he got this famous film from ground to 3,000 feet in the air in one eighth of a second. And he caught this thing on film. And, th and that's the whole deal is that it may not be as random as we think it is. That this is all sort of, we're making these plans and we're working all this sort of stuff and learning at the same time and making the universe a more complex place. It's a closed loop where we're feeding it in and it's getting more complex, almost like the universe, if it has no duality to it, God doesn't know who he is. So it's this idea that there's all these different things happening. And if your little show ain't good enough, God takes his popcorn and he goes in the next movie theater. So every movie is legitimate and we make it very exciting. And that's what the, the phenomenon is doing. It's making it really exciting. It's like when I have my PowerPoint, when I'm going in Laughlin and my PowerPoint, it's all double slides and triple slides and the audios have been moved to a different slides and the, the slides are expanded and squished. And I'm going, there's no, you cannot do this. And it was like this idea. It's like, let's make it really, really weird. And you're in the theater and you're trying to figure this thing out. And that's what it is. It's, it's like this play thing. All the world's a stage. All the men and women and aliens are but puppets. We have our entrances and exits and each man plays many roles. And when it's all over, you realize, holy shit, that was just a dream. I was a puppet. I was just playing a puppet. And then in your next lifetime, it'll be a forgotten dream. So enjoy the puppet while you're the puppet, because in the next lifetime, you're not even going to remember this ever happened. I think that's the best way to end it, my friend. There you go. Thank you, as always. Too bad you didn't get that first part. We could have had we could have had a double header here. I think we still have enough for a double header yeah. regardless. So there you go. I appreciate okay. it, my friend. Thank we'll you. We'll do it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Talk to you later. Talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like, subscribe, and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new.